Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. Today, joining me on the show is my very good friend. He is a comedian. He is a writer and a producer, Mr. Dwayne Perkins. Dwayne, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I was just thinking about the first time I met you. And I remember I came into audition for the, the web series that you and Michael were doing. And you were so serious. And then I got to know you and I was like, he doesn't have a serious bone in his body. <laughs> That's the trick. <laughs> I just trick people into thinking that I'm serious. Because, uh, you know, I feel like as a comic, I want people to take Because, like, innately, I'm not very serious. Right. And so when people first meet me, I'm like, I have to convince them that I am serious. So when I reveal who I really am, they don't lose all faith in me. <laughs> You get the job and then show who you are. There's so many memes yeah. like that. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, but you, you, your career has grown so much in the last few years. And I, and I love, you know, having almost known you for a decade at this point. I can't believe it's been that long. But I've loved seeing how much you've grown. But I want to go back to kind of what your path trajectory has been and like how you got into writing and doing stand-up comedy. And if you always knew that this was the path that you wanted to take. Um, I... It, it's not the path that I knew that I wanted to take. So it started in high school where I was a football player. And then I quit that because I was like, this is aggressive. Please stop hitting me. I don't like this. <laughs> and then I joined my, my high school's dance team. And at the time, I was like, oh, I'm not ready to be this out. People going to think I'm gay. So I quit that too. <laughs> uh, and then I found improv and sketch. And, and I was like, oh, this is cute because I can just, like, be whoever I want to be. Uh, and then the two women who were in charge of the improv and sketch group uh, were also the directors of the musical theater program. So they were like, oh, come do theater and stuff. And I was like, sure, whatever. I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> and then they uh, kind of, like, blindsided me to go to college, which is not, like, blindsided, but, like, the Sandra one like oh like we're white little black boy you can do it so they were like all right go to this school for acting and i was like okay and then i got cut uh from depaul university which made sense because um i remember going to college like i just went to the north side from the south side in sh chicago and i remember being in class and on day one the teacher was like take off your shoes and i was like for what <laughs> And I just realized that, like, I did not know how to exist in white spaces yeah. yet. So in order to, like, be good at acting, you have to have, like, a certain level of vulnerability that I just did not have. Because I was like, I don't trust y'all. I don't know y'all. <laughs> this is crazy. So then I got cut. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then th I started dancing for, like, a little bit. Like, uh, so I just needed something to do creatively. And then one of my best friends and writing partners, Asia Bullock, she was at Second City taking classes, and we were on the same dance company. Uh, and she was like, hey, you should come take classes with me because everybody's white, and I don't want to be by myself. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so then that's kind of how I found Second City. And then based on kind of the trajectory of that, like when I was in acting school, all the roles that they would try to give me were like, I don't know, like old angry fathers. And I was like, literally, this is not who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, and so then comedy kind of allowed me and like writing allowed me to play roles that people would never give me. Mm -hmm. uh, and based on the intersection of like who I am, 
representation was just not a thing for like queer black men. So people just didn't know what to do with me. And so then I figured out like, oh, I have to have power and control so then I can dictate what happens to me versus me just letting people do what they want to me and put me in boxes I didn't want to be in. So that's so improv and sketch introduced me to that. So then I just became obsessed with power, I guess. <laughs> Not like power. how can I <laughs> how can I dictate how I'm treated cuz this industry's trash. Right, right. So I just because of my queerness and blackness, very early I was like, this is not going to work for me as is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have notes and we just going to have to change all of it. Uh, and then stand up. I got in, into stand up because I was doing a show in DC that was half improv and half, no, half sketch and half stand up. And I remember I wrote like a lot of the show and some executives from Comedy Central came because some of the stand ups submitted uh stand-up half-hour specials and and we were talking to them as a cast and i just remembered the perception that they had of the performers and they saw me as an actor and not like a creator or writer Mm -hmm. just because what they saw on stage was me acting in scenes they didn't necessarily think like oh somebody had to write these scenes which was me right but these but with stand-up it was instantly like oh we know who you are we know you can write we know you how you can perform and I was like oh this is the way I want to be perceived and then the stand-ups were like why don't you just do stand-up and in Chicago there was this weird like improv versus stand-up and so I just was like I don't have time for this so then I tried stand-up for the first time and I remember being terrified and then when I did it I was like oh this is what this is like I have all the skills to do this it was just a matter of what I thought it was going to be and then I realized stand-up was exactly what I was looking for, which was me having the most control over what I say and do. And I was like, oh, I, I should have been doing this from the beginning because I've been seeking control this whole time. Yeah. And once I started doing stand-up, that kind of jump-started everything because I then had the control to tell and show people exactly what I wanted to do. So then I feel like I had a greater hand in figuring out where I wanted my career to go because it was all based off things that I said and wrote. Right, right. So I feel like that's kind of where the track went. Was was like acting, was like improv, acting, sketching, improv, then stand up, and me realizing like, okay, I know what this mm-hmm. is. And then writing became my main thing, um, just because I could do it at home. <laughs> um, He's like, let me just be honest like, about that. Right, I'm like, it's... <laughs> And that's what's been nice. Like in quarantine, a lot of my friends who stand up was their whole thing. They were like, now that it's gone, I don't know what to do. Mm. And I was like, girl. And then they would ask me, like, what are you doing? And, and and I was like, I just shifted to the thing that I can do in the circumstances that we're in. Yeah. And it just so happens that it was writing. And it's been very fruitful. Yeah. So I think everybody should be writing just because <laughs> it's. You can do it it's, in bed. It's helpful. <laughs> Right? And they be paying you good money. Yes. Well, you know what what I love about your story is that you kind of, you brought these opportunities into your world by just being authentic to who you are. But I don't think, and I'm curious if you think this, it just seems like it's not as easy for Black people in general to do that. Uh, I agree. I think that the circumstance, like a, a lot of things that I've experienced in my life, I think prepared me for the spaces that I are in and because of what I 
experience like growing up and some of the struggles that I had to kind of figure out very young um, when I got into these spaces where people would try to convince me to have fear, I just wouldn't have mm-hmm. any. And I feel like a lot of industry, especially entertainment, is ran by fear. Right. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. That's a good <laughs> no, point because there's a fear like, like I'm not going to get this job or I'm going to lose this job if I if I'm really true to myself and true to what I want to do and what I want to say. But you just didn't care, so it's a personality thing for you. <laughs> yes, because like. I think like growing up on the south side of Chicago and dealing with my sexuality as like a 16, 15 year old, I was convinced in my head that if I came out, I was going to lose everybody in my life. Yeah. And so I like prepared myself to be alone and independent. And I was like, I have to love myself more than anybody else because what if I'm by myself? So that kind of mindset I think just followed me to right now. Like when I was younger, when I first started, my mother would say like, Oh, maybe you shouldn't be like so open. Like there's so many like terrible people. Are you afraid that like, this is going to hurt your chances by being so you. And I was like, Oh, at this point in my life, like I don't want to work with people if I have to change who I yeah. am. Cause that's going to defeat the purpose. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just feel like if, my personality does not fit within a space. I'm not meant to be there. And I just like have held very true to that. Cause like I've said yes to things that I felt weird about yeah. and every single time it ends up being trash. Cause I'm like, yeah, <laughs> why would it not be? You're like, I knew from the beginning and I should have just gone with my first mind. I'm like, I felt the vibes. Yeah. I should have just listened. Um, and that's crazy because and, I think a lot of people in this industry think that like you have to say yes to every opportunity that comes your way or you're going to miss out on something. But I don't think that that's true. And I think it's like what you said, like I, if I'm meant to be in a space, I will be in that space. Yes. And I think I have a very um, objective way of thinking where I'll like look at something and like really weigh the pros and cons of like, OK, is the potential like if, if is the potential trauma or like trashness worth the pros of what I'm going to get from this and if it does not add up I'm not gonna do it yeah. so like I can understand like walking into a situation knowing it's going to be trash but knowing like I'm gonna get a bunch of money <laughs> so then mentally at least I could like prepare myself to be like oh yeah I know this is gonna be trash but like the goal is not to have a good time right. the goal is money right right so if I'm just figuring out like what am I getting from this and it just has to balance out because mm-hmm. you're not going to treat me poorly and pay me right. poorly. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Like, I'll take the money if it's going to be trash as right? long as the money is. I'm speaking, like, something's right. got to give. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that mindset. So I, I know you you spent a lot of time at Second City getting training there. And I also know that you had this long viral thread a while back about Girl. the things that happened at Second City. So I want to talk a little bit about that because I never t- I took. I think I did like one workshop at Second City when I was um, in Chicago, which is where we met. And, you know, clearly you having been there for a long period of time and being involved, you were going to be exposed to more things than I was. But I want to talk a little bit about your experience there just as a black actor and black comedian. Um, It's weird because I do think like improv as an art form is such a special art form. And I think it helped me a lot as a person. Um, And I still to this day like I love improv I just did not like the system in which that was dictating who and like who got chosen to do Mm -hmm. it um and Second City in particular I just think that like their culture was just created with not with people like me not in mind and a lot of 
entertainment is based on like precedent and tradition and i was like look you can't expect for me to respect these if i'm not even included in them so like i'm sorry this don't work right. um and during the time that i was there there was like it was mainly ran by white people and there was a, a separation where there was like we want to be better but also stop telling us that we're bad mm. and so they would create this like cyclical problem where they would try to convince their people of color to help them be better but when the opportunity came for us to tell them what was wrong they would be like you're difficult to work with so then it vilified all of the people of color for doing the things that they encouraged us to do mm. and that's just like gaslighting and that's Absolutely. not like real i'm like that's not how this works right. um and and i think they because there were so few people of color throughout their history, I think they relied on, like, the token. They relied on a person having to be isolated to use that fear to force them to be in these spaces and, and not speak up because they knew that the opportunities were so scarce. Yeah. But I feel like my generation of people, we were all friends. It's like, we know each other. We talk. Like, we're not – you can't tell me something – and then tell my friend something different and think we're not going to talk right. about it. <laughs> right, right, right. So there was a lot of just like blatant lies that we were like, that's not true. Like you literally are telling us different things. Mm. We can see this system and why it doesn't work. Um, and also we did not come to Second City to get good. We came to Second City to like focus skills. But we knew that like, oh, we don't owe our success to you. Right. Like you don't have your... The, the token that they were trying to use, they just didn't have. Because we were like, you didn't give us anything. So, like, we don't have to be here. So, like, don't be mean to right, us. Right, right. <laughs> and then when they were, we all quit. And then they were like, oh, damn. <laughs> and, and we were like, yeah. Like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> you can't just be mean to all your black people and think we're just going to stay here. Right, like, that's, that's crazy. Right. Well, so do you think that any, you took anything positive from that experience? Yeah, like some of my favorite people, like I, I met some, like mo some of my best friends. Um, that's where I met Shantira Jackson, and we are like the best of friends. We work a lot together. My friend Lisa Beasley. That's where I met Three P. Like a lot of my, the things that my career have stemmed from have a lot has come from that building, um, which I can recognize and also be like, yeah, y'all still trash. Like they, two things can exist at one time. Right. I benefited from it, but also it was traumatic and I had to go through a lot of therapy. Um, <laughs> so You're like, like second city, but I need to pay my therapy bill. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like similar to what I was saying earlier, like some of the pros were worth it. Like, would I do it again? Yes. Mm. Because I, the people that I have in my life are irreplaceable. Right. Um, but the way that I handled it, I would also handle it the same way. Like I'm not, if I enter a space, I'm just not going to allow people to mistreat me um, so blatantly. Um, but I feel good about it. And with the whole Twitter thing popped off, it wasn't like I was like, oh, I have to bring Second City down. It was me just truthfully being like, well, this was my exactly. experience there. Exactly. And people, and then a bunch of other people were like, well, since you said it, yeah, this was trash. So then it started this like snowball. And I was like, that's not my problem. <laughs> if I was a, the, the only person treated this way, this would have been a singular thread of my thoughts. But because it was a systemic problem, there was a bunch of people who felt 
encouraged by what I said to speak up. And I was like, clearly this is not a me thing. This is a y'all thing. So like, I don't know what y'all want from me. (laughs) But I think that that is, you know, when somebody leads, more people feel comfortable coming out, speaking about their experiences. So I am glad that you did that because it probably, it did encourage a lot of other people to say like, oh yeah, Second City is totally racist. It, it, it did, which felt good because I see firsthand how often depending on like resources and, and, and privilege, people don't feel encouraged to speak up because there is a lot of real fear. Mm-hmm. Cause like, as you said, this industry is not made for us. And it's, there's a lot of walking on eggshells that you have to do, but based on the research and the experience that I already had, I was like, girl, second city ain't got no power over me. I don't know who the fuck they gonna like, what they gonna do, right. what they gonna say. Right. I do not care. Right. I just do not care. And so I felt very okay with being like, girl, fuck y'all. And people were like, okay. <laughs> and so like, I just, I feel good. I was like, I don't know how many people feel okay saying this, but like, I feel very fine with it. Right. Cause again, like, what I sleep at do? night. <laughs> I'm like, Right. Y'all gonna what? Beat like they not gonna beat my ass. Like there's just right. the stakes just were so low. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I there's I don't feel bad about this. I y'all should feel bad about the way y'all treat people. For sure. Do you and think that's... there will be a culture change because of you calling them out? Or do you think that they're just set in their ways and how they've operated for such a long time? I mean, I think that like around that time, like right after that, um, Andrew quit and then like uh the group of uh black alums put together a letter to like address the problems. Mm -hmm. And like, there was some like structural change within, but, um, I don't know. And honestly, I don't care. (laughs) Like part of me is like, out of sight, out of mind. I hope it's better for people that come after me because right. that's that's the whole point. It'd be like this doesn't have to be this way. Like what I got from Second City was helpful, but it would have been better if it was not a a company with so much trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I'm like, if y'all just if that was just what it was, I would not have a bad thing to say. Right. So I'm hoping that there's a change of culture, but like based on the patterns of the world, I don't have that much faith. Uh, also, they were just so they just sold to like a private equity firm mm. and so we're gonna just see um how long they last right right <laughs> oh wow i didn't know that interesting so okay so now that you you're in writers rooms you know we always talk about representation and the, the lack of it in terms of you know our community do you feel like in that sense as a writer being a black queer act writer excuse me that that is changing that there is a shift in terms of representation behind the camera no uh, like you, I would say that was nobody can see you because this is a podcast. But the way you just went, like, no, like you, I wish you all could have seen his face because he was like, yeah. Because I mean, we are seeing like, it more I in like, front of the camera. But I just, I'm curious since you're in the writers' room, what your view is with that. I mean, I like thought about it, and I was like, what is my answer? And I was just like, I can't. Like, yes, there are some, like, there's progress. But one of the biggest things I remember, like, my first writing job when I moved here, I was like, okay, this is going to be great. And then I, like, remember my first episode of TV. I, like, was on set. And there was, like, hundreds of people. And there was, like, just two black people. And it was me and then the actor that I wrote the part for. And I was like, girl, (laughs) this is what? And, like, and I... And and I, I do think that, like, it was shocking to get a peek behind the curtain and see, like, oh, like, 
y'all don't care as much as like we are pretending to care. Like there is people do enough to stop people from dragging them. Like they're like, well, what's the bare minimum that we could do? And it's truly like the barest of minimums there. of Most of the jobs that I've had, I've been still the only black person. Like there's not that much, like the Amber Ruffin show was the first show that I, that I've ever worked on where I had a black boss mm. where I had to, where I got to write from a perspective where I didn't have to change it for another demographic. And that, and I never felt the feeling of being like, oh, I can just write from a lived experience. This is what most of my white counterparts have had their entire lives. And just seeing that like shift, I was like, girl, this is all bad. Like that's that's all me and my therapist talk about is me being like, hey, so me as a person just morally does not fit within this industry. So how can I continue? And she's like, I don't know, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just like, so like I... I want to record, like, yes, I recognize progress, but it's so slow. Yeah. Like, it is very slow. Yeah. I mean, um, it feels that way, but, yeah. you know, I'm not in that, you know, sense in the industry and in, in the medium that you're in. So I didn't know, like, from your vantage point, like, what you were seeing. But that, I mean, it doesn't, it makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, and, like, and, and most of the group chats that I have with, like, my peers is mainly, like, black writers being, like, all experiencing the same thing like in these rooms that are just like so toxic so terrible and you're like how has this continued to be this way for so long and then you realize oh because like when you enter these spaces either you're going to fight constantly which is tiring or you're going to say nothing and be bombarded with terribleness which is also tiring so either way you're just like constantly getting drained and you're constantly questioning like is this worth it like what am i getting Mm. from this and at some point like you either are going to like fight to you don't have a, a voice or you're going to be so burned out that you just stop fighting. Right. And when I first started, I would see people like, why aren't you saying anything? Like, why is everybody so complicit? And then as time went on, I was like, oh, I get you it. Get it. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, y'all are t- like, y'all know that like y'all can talk, but like ain't shit changing. And y'all can see it because like all of y'all are white and y'all are still unhappy. So what the fuck y'all think I feel? <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. So here, I have, I have a question. So I'm always, you know, continuously surprised sometimes when I do see depictions of specifically Black Americans, but we can talk about other marginalized groups as a whole, uh, you know, on TV and film. What do you, when it's mostly writer, white writers that are writing some of these parts, like, what are they basing it off of? That's what I always want to know. Like, who in your life do you know that is that way? Or like, have you really never met another Black person in your life? Like, from your you're shaking your head but like from your vantage point like what is the situation like why are we still falling into the traps of these specific stereotypes and these views of certain marginalized groups like i don't get it it's 2021 and like it's still an issue yeah it's i just read a a script written by a white person for black people and it was so shocking to read because i had the same question like wait is this what you think black like is this how you think we talk like how we exists and i do think it's based off of tv like it's all like it's the same thing it's based on like precedent so they're like well what are the black people we've seen on tv and then they just recreate Mm. that but because the black people you've seen on tv are not good characters they're just recreating a version of a shitty recreation of a version of a black person so by the time you see it on tv it's just not a real thing it's been shit it through like this (laughs) lens of like different layers of like whiteness that just takes away all of the 
authenticity and it's and that's why tv is bad like i am um i'm in a room right now and all of my references are like children's tv and they're like why do you watch so much children's tv and i was like have you seen tv have you seen like do you see how people are portrayed on tv like it's very hard to watch certain shows because i'm like i don't want to i'm not interested in seeing this version of life because this is not what i watch tv for i just don't want to see that um and and i do think that that is a problem i and because so long tv was such a what's the word homogenous thing it was just like always written through the white lens and so it makes sense why tv is the way that it is and it's hard for them to let go of that i'm just like yes these are not your stories to tell like there are people who can tell these stories better just because you've been allowed to tell them doesn't mean you're meant to right like you've like you set this standard but the bar is very low like (laughs) it's not good right Right. (laughs) like it could be better if you just allowed people to make it better which isn't you and they don't want to hear that yeah do you think that there's a priority to kind of protect whiteness like in terms of their types of characters because i feel like when it comes to white characters on television and film we just see a wide variety like white people are almost allowed to be dynamic and nobody else is uh i think it's just come down to money mm. and majority because white people are the, oh, the majority, majority quote culture um they are just giving the space to so i don't think like a lot of i think whiteness is seen as like more dynamic because there's so many different versions of it because those are the only people who get to tell stories yeah yeah. Uh, i recently was trying to pitch a show and the perception of like it was a show about like gangs and the perception of like what gangs are most of the people that was hearing the pitch the perspective would be where like what do they know gangs from tv um and to present an idea of a game that's not that i felt was very hard for them to take in because they were like this goes against every idea of what a gang is in my head and and i'm like because you've never actually met again like i have like family who are in in gangs like my best friend in high school was in a gang like these are real people with depth but because of the I just think like whiteness, because it's such a large swath, whiteness stays within whiteness. So if you don't go outside of it, you just don't know what it is. <laughs> so you're just creating an idea of who these people are. Like if I never went to Alaska and I was just like, I'm going to write a movie about uh, Alaska. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Be like, girl, you don't know. Like, you don't. Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's. It's shocking. I think also like when you speak about fear, there's also this fear of being wrong. So you don't even try to do the research. You're just going to, like you said, they're just going to go off of what they've been told or what they've seen for years. There's no attempt to actually try to write (laughs) this completely wrong narrative that you've been following for however long. Yeah. And they don't, there's no one forcing them to yeah like, there's no one like you should make this better like if they're going to buy the bare minimum why would you do more and they don't because this is a system that they've created which is you get a bunch of money to create these stories but no one's going to tell you how good to make the stories they're going to make you do the thing that sells and if the thing that sells is shitty black characters why would you make them better so in terms of content that's out now do you think anybody is getting it right Yes, I really do think I May Destroy You was such a great example of 
taking things that we know and making it fresh. Like I just never watched a show like that. Like it felt new. Like the the point of view felt specific. And that's what I find interesting is seeing like, oh, what is your point of view? Like what how is this world different through your eyes? Like even if and and I said this be before like if white people like white like all white shows if there's a reason why the show's all white i'm like that makes sense like if this is a a specific point of view from this person that's fine but like what i don't like is like using people as props to like check off a box i'm like no 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 like if that's not like that's doing a disservice because if every if all the work that you've done it's through this white lens and suddenly you're like, okay, well, people are saying I should diversify and then you die, diversify in the worst way. <laughs> and then the people that have seen all your white shit and maybe don't watch other stuff is going to then create what their idea of that person th- through your art. And now you're just created another stereotype. You're just like right. perpetuating right. bad stuff. And I don't think people put a lot of thought into like the implications of TV and I think very deeply about like why why are you doing that like what like how is this going to affect people the world because as a young person TV was such a major part of like my creation as a person absolutely and I don't think people especially the people in in power understand the responsibility how powerful, behind it yes because like there are people without act like where. TV is their access to the world because, like, that's just what it is. And and I don't and, – and because people with power and privilege do not think – because it's from the top down, they're not thinking about how that information is processed from the bottom up. And as somebody who grew up, I feel personally, like, from the bottom up, I'm like, oh, this is the – that's the place that I make art from is being like, who is this – like, who is this going to hit – at the bottom like who is using this as the only source of access of of information because of where they grew up about uh, of the the privileges that they have and so i just don't think enough people are asking why because they never had to because especially within whiteness there were so many ways to find yourself on tv but if you're not white you're there's that pool is so much smaller so i feel like the amount of attention should be sharper and more because there's less to process. And I and and just like that mindset is one that is absent right. in Hollywood, I I think. So what do you think the next step should be to kind of start to shift this? Um stop uh, giving jobs to people <laughs> that um are already rich. <laughs> like I do think like class is like a huge thing and there's so much like nepotism like just having points of views that are outside of that narrative that are just like thinking about like what perspectives are and purposely trying to fill in the blanks it's been like this is not a perspective seen on tv put that on so like literally just like giving space to different people so that the people watching have a bigger pool of representation to choose from and and then just not letting the people that are in power right now dictate how that happens because again they're at the top like they they don't have it's the same thing with like politics and and they've been like 
these people don't need $15 and being like, where the fuck have you been? Like, are you dumb? Like, you don't know how that, you never lived that. So how could you even have a frame of reference? So being very open with the amount of realistic knowledge that people at the top have, which is very little. And that's why nothing is changing because they literally do not know what it needs to be changed the reality for, is they different. have not lived it. The reality yes, is it's just like not the different. same. Yeah. I mean, even we could go into politics with that. We'd be on here forever, but like <laughs> just bringing up like the minimum wage, somebody I've always thought, obviously $7 and 25 cents. Like you, that's not even like a Starbucks and a pastry. Right. But like when somebody put a $5 bill, two ones and a quarter next to each other in a picture that right there, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> It like I already knew it wasn't anything that when you actually see the dollars, it's and you think 15 is too much. Yeah, that's wild to me. It's insane. They're just all out of touch. And And I think we all know they all they're all older white men who are still operating off of, I don't know, systems that were created. I mean, probably since the beginning of time. But yeah, I think it's it's a testament to who is in charge, seeing how slow and the progress is and why it's taking for such a long time to change. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say I, they need to just go and die off, but I don't think it'll change until literally they- that though. Like, <laughs> and, like, and like, they don't need to like, I'm just like, just give it up. Just like give Move it on. to someone else. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just like, and like and you can still be there. Like if, if you want to be there, sure. But like move. Right. Like let somebody else do it if you don't know how to do it. Like be okay with admitting this is not my reality. Right. I'm going to bring somebody in here who is. Right. Like, I feel the same way with like I'm not a woman, but I can empathize with a woman. But if there's a situation like I remember being in, like um to um there's this thing called OWAs, which is like um open writing assignments so they just like like oh this is an idea can you give a take so there was this film about mm-mm, mm-mm, rude let me put this on do not disturb um there was a film about this uh black woman dancer and as a dancer i was like oh i do have a point of view but in that meeting i was like yeah i think y'all should get this to a black woman like i'm going to give you my take but also don't hire me hire a black <laughs> woman and they were like what i'm like look I think this is like for this idea to be what I think it could be. I think the perspective of an actual black woman is most beneficial for this, for the art to be like as good as yeah, it can for be. It to be successful. Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, it's people should be okay with like knowing that like they are good, but maybe not the best for that project or like the best for the end goal. And, and I'm like, yes, there is a version of this that I can do. But the version that I think would be best for the world artistically right, right. <laughs> would be from this perspective. And I don't think people think about art in that way. They don't they ever. think about money. <laughs> <laughs> they just like, oh, like this is, I want me to, like this, I need money. I need opportunities. So like I'm going to do what I can to get what I want. Whereas I'm like, first of all, I don't want to be dragged. Um, and also like what, I don't want to do a bunch of work just to find out later, this could have been better right. if I just if this was given to this person. Because then, when it comes out, that's going to be on everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Like, is this your story to tell? And I just don't want people to look at my films the way that I look at other people's films. And I just don't want to be a a hypocrite. And I'm just like, look, what's just like think about it. Just like, and I just kept asking like, why, why, why? And the why was like, this is not my story to tell. Right. Like, this is. There's just levels of this point of view that I do not have. Whereas like if somebody 
who wasn't a queer black man wrote a movie about like queer black men, I, I would be like, how would you know? Right. Like, there is a very specific, like, and as like a gay black man, the intersection of like blackness and gayness is such a specific experience. And it would be insane of me to think like, oh, well, my life is dynamic and complex, but like there's not. And I can write that. I'm like, no, that's crazy. Like if I lived my life, I'm sure that person's life is just as complex based on the intersection of their identity. So probably find somebody closest to them who have probably had a lived experience and can speak on that in a way that I can't. And that's how good movies come out. That's why I made destroy you was so good because it was from a a lived experience that you can literally like write dialogue to like, there's just so much. And I just don't think people, it's crazy that like white men have thought that they could write every story (laughs) since the beginning of entertainment. That is crazy to me. (laughs) I think you're very rare because there are, very few people that would step aside and say, you know what? I'm not right to write this. I'm not right to produce this. I'm not right to act this. Acting is probably, I think, one of the bigger issues in terms of taking on things that you have no business doing. Because you see, so, I mean, you know, we I can talk about our favorite problematic person, Scarlett Johansson, that just has the nerve to be like, well, I'm an actress. It's like, girl, that's not what we're saying. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you can be an actress, but you have no business playing an Asian person. Like, <laughs> you just don't. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, I, I, mean, I love that about you. And I wish more people realized that and like stepped aside and like, no, give this opportunity to this person. I mean, there's just like such a bigger picture. And I think that's just like the way that I think is like very like macro versus micro. Right. Like, yes, I'm very self-centered and like, and not in like the like bad way. I just like think about myself and like, I am the center of my universe. Right. Cause like, that's who I am. Um, but there is also a bigger picture. Like when I die, the world would keep going on. And so my impact on the world is not just like finite. Like I can do things that could like have bigger impacts. Like if I became a terrorist, <laughs> that is like a big impact. Like, and, and, and I do think people think that like only big negative things can like affect the world. But I think the same on like smaller positive yeah. things. Like you can also affect the world by doing things. And I don't want to just like, live my life just for me constantly. I'm like, no, like there are things that we can think about outside of ourselves. And also I don't even like, I, yeah, I just find it strange. I, maybe I've done too many drugs. And so my (laughs) brain is just like too open. (laughs) That's what my therapist and I have concluded is that she was like, Oh, you are just like on like a level that people like, you just think very deeply about everything. And I was like, but why aren't other people? Is that not like, do we not wake up every day? Like, why are we here? What are we doing? <laughs> I just What's always have those thoughts. For? <laughs> Truly. I'm like, what are we doing? What's I'm your just zodiac always asking, sign? Like, what is this? Scorpio. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know what I would have thought, but I don't think that would have been my first guess. I think it's a Scorpio. And then my rising is Gemini. And then my moon is Libra, I believe. Interesting. um but yeah it's just crazy i I just and and i do think it stems from just like me growing up in the spaces that i grew up and having to very quickly at a young age to be like what is this because like all of my thoughts is contrary to what i'm being told and there has to be something more to this because i can't just accept what's being told to me because then that would put me in a position of oppression and I don't want that right and so there was just always like this constant like but what is this how do I beat this because like I just I hate being 
mistreated and unhappy. So I'm I'm just like, how do we stop this? Well, I think you are doing a fabulous job <laughs> making sure that that's what your life is going to be. Um, so I want you to let everybody know where they can follow you. And I appreciate you sitting down with me for a little bit. I'm glad we finally were able to do this. But where can everybody follow you to keep up with the work that you're doing? Yes, you can follow me on the Twitters at Dwayne. Perkins. He's like, that's I think D E W literally as <laughs> D E W A Y N E. Cause there's more than one comedian named Dwayne Perkins. Um, and then on Instagram it's Dwayne K Perkins. Cause, um, th- Dwayne Perkins is taken by this old white man who I think have passed away. Cause I messaged him being like, let me get your name. And he has not responded. Wait, you see an old white man? <laughs> yeah. Named Dwayne. And I was like, Perkins. Uh. <laughs> you could probably get and his Instagram handle. How I don't. How do people do that? You have to contact Instagram and be like, "Hey, this has been inactive since." Da 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 da. da. Is there any way I can reclaim it? You can do that. Uh, I know people what? that have done that. Let me go make my reps do some shit. <laughs> Seriously, have them do it. I'm not kidding. I I know people that have done that, but they have the same names and like they've had an active or like a podcast name or whatever that's been inactive for like four years. Yeah. You just have to contact Instagram to reclaim it. And if they see there's been no activity, I think there's a certain amount of time that they're like, okay, yeah, they're not gonna ever use this again. They can reclaim it for you. Oh wow. Nice. Thank you. Look of course. this has been great. <laughs> I've learned so much. <laughs> You're like and that's the most valuable thing. <laughs> I'm like, nice. Let me go steal this. Let me go colonize this name. (laughs) Well, I love you. And I'm so glad that we were able to chat and make sure you follow him on Twitter because he'd be wilding out every day. He got something to say and I'm here for all of it. (laughs) Thank you. I love you too. (laughs) This was a great conversation. And make sure you subscribe to We Need to Talk on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.